Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. Have you heard of Manuka honey? If so, you might have wondered why it's special or how it's different from regular honey. Well, our friends at Wheaterspoon want to change that. The brand is the number one selling Manuka honey in the U.S. and has made it their mission to educate people on the magic of Manuka honey and introduce consumers to the highest quality Manuka honey money can buy. So what is Manuka honey anyways? It's a superfood honey that is harvested by the bees in beautiful New Zealand and boasts a number of health and wellness benefits. From its use in home remedies, as a natural energy boost, as part of your immune support rituals, and in DIY beauty regimens, this honey can do it all. Check out Wheaterspoon's suite of Manuka-infused products, all available at Wheaterspoon.com, Amazon, Whole Foods Market, or at your favorite grocery store near you. Use code JUST20, J-U-S-T-2-0, to receive 20% off your first order on Wheaterspoon.com. Jesse and Chowsby is on a mission to translate cutting-edge science into easy advice to help people improve their physical and mental health. She's the founder of the widely popular Instagram account, Glucose Goddess, where she teaches hundreds of thousands of people about healthy food habits. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in mathematics from King's College London and a Master of Science degree in biochemistry from Georgetown University. Her work at a genetic analyst startup in Silicon Valley made her realize that, as the key to good health, food habits beat genetics. In her first book, Glucose Revolution, Jessie shares her startling discovery about the essential role of blood sugar in every aspect of our lives, from cravings to fertility, and the surprising hacks to optimize it while still eating the foods we love. Welcome to the show, Jesse. I am so excited to have you here today. I have loved following you on Instagram. On Instagram, you guys, she is glucose goddess. And I have learned quite a bit about what foods to pair together and what foods not to, to have a glucose spike or not. And so I'm excited to talk to you today about all of these uh, sugar things. Thank you, Carolyn, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe how you became the glucose goddess? I love this question. I never set out to become the glucose goddess. It kind of just happened uh, to me. So my health journey started when I was a teenager. At the young age of 19, I had an accident that changed my life. I broke my back jumping off a waterfall. And um, I had very intense surgery and then a lot of physical pain afterwards, but mostly I developed some really severe mental health problems. Um, And I had this thing called depersonalization, which is sort of a cousin to dissociation. Um, It's a really very scary, terrible feeling. And so, you know, at that age, I was suffering hugely mentally. And I realized that nothing is more important than mental health or physical health. You know, our health is everything. And it became my number one priority at 19 years old. And so I set out to figure out how on earth I could just feel good when I woke up in the morning. That became my life's purpose in a way. So my journey started with me going to grad school to study biochemistry. 
to understand the body better. And in the past, I had studied mathematics in undergrad. And then after my master's, um, I wanted to know more, even more about how the body worked and how I could, you know, heal. So I went to Silicon Valley to study in the field of genetics. And specifically then I joined um, a startup called 23andMe that analyzes your DNA and gives you lots of information about your ancestry and your health. And while I was there, I discovered that actually your DNA is not that predictive of what you need to be doing to wake up feeling good in the morning. Like it can tell you some things, right? some risk of disease and other things, but it doesn't hold the secrets to what you need to do so that tomorrow you feel better and you heal, for example, in my case, you know, my mental health problems. But luckily, while I was there, something incredible happened that completely changed my life. I put on a device for the first time, a device called a continuous glucose monitor. And this was really just because we were doing a pilot internally at the company. So it was kind of by chance. And these devices have been used by people with diabetes for a long time to measure in real time their blood sugar levels. And I'm not diabetic, but I put one on to sort of see if there was things to learn there. And as soon as I saw my blood sugar levels, my glucose levels on my iPhone, it just went tilt in my, in my brain, sort of like, you know, the, the light bulb moment in the cartoon <laughs> scenes, right? because all of a sudden, Carlin, I was able to see the inside of my body. I was able to connect with, with what was happening underneath my skin. I was able to see how, what I ate, what I did, what I didn't do impacted my biology. And I had access to this information for the first time. And I felt connected to my body for the first time in so long. So I started becoming fascinated by this glucose information. And I realized that glucose spikes, so very big, sharp increases in glucose levels, were actually triggering a whole bunch of side effects in me. One of the main ones being an episode of my mental health problem. So I noticed that glucose spikes could be one of the triggers of my depersonalization episodes. And that was completely life-changing. Yeah, that's fascinating. It is, it is. And further even, I realized that these glucose spikes could create anxiety, cravings, excessive hunger, poor sleep, acne, weight gain, hormonal issues. I dove into the science and I realized that actually we now know that everybody probably suffers from glucose spikes every day, not just diabetics. And the symptoms that we experience on a daily basis are actually the consequences of these glucose spikes. So I then set out to figure out how we could avoid these glucose spikes and still eat everything we loved. Um, and I did it and it worked and I healed myself. <laughs> you did. And you talk about it on Instagram quite a bit, which I love. Can I, I do, yeah. Can I stop you there and go back a few steps and just start at some basics for maybe people that have no knowledge of glucose spikes, insulin spikes, things like that? And can we just start at the basics for them? Yes. So okay. Should we start with just what is glucose? Yes. Let me just ask you that. What is glucose <laughs> and what is its role in our body? So glucose is your body's preferred energy source. So every single one of your cells in your body uses glucose for energy. 
So your eye cells use glucose to be able to see. Your brain cells use glucose to be able to think. Your heart cells to contract. Your feet cells to be able to dance. You need a lot of glucose because it's how you're able to live. And we get glucose through the starchy or the sweet foods that we eat. Now, the issue really happens when we deliver too much glucose too quickly to our body. Because you might think, well, if I need glucose for energy, if I eat more glucose, it's a good thing, right? I should try to give my body as much glucose as possible. But that's not really the case. It's sort of like if you take a potted plant and you give the plant too much water, it'll drown. Right. Or if you, get a, if you give a human too much oxygen, they'll pass out. If we get too much glucose, problems start happening inside of our body that lead to these symptoms and these consequences. That's a good way that you explained it. So now let's tell our listeners what insulin is, because when you talk about glucose, you can't talk about it without insulin, but I think some people get a little bit confused. So what is insulin and what is its role in our body? Absolutely. So in order to introduce insulin, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you two things that happen in our body after every glucose spike. So you can understand a bit more, you know, why insulin even comes into play. So every time there's a glucose spike underneath our skin, so too much glucose being delivered too quickly to our body, two main things happen. The first one is that inside each one of your cells, there are these little machines called mitochondria, the powerhouse of your cell. And these powerhouses are actually the ones responsible for transforming glucose into energy. The problem is if you give them too much glucose too quickly, they freak out, they freeze and they go on strike. They're like, I cannot do this anymore. And they shut down. And as a result of this shutting down, they create these molecules called free radicals. And free radicals are very damaging to the body. And they create inflammation long-term in the body as well. And this is one of the processes by which glucose spikes create disease in the body. Second thing that happens every time your glucose levels spike. So glucose molecules, they kind of run around like kids on a playground in, in your body. They just move around in all directions. They dash uncontrollably and they bump into other molecules. And every time a molecule of glucose bumps into another molecule in your, in your body, which happens constantly, glucose actually damages that other molecule. And the other molecule is now said to be glycated. And the process of being glycated, glycation, is actually the same process as what happens when you toast a piece of bread or when you put a chicken in the oven. This browning that you see, this cooking, that's glycation. And inside of our bodies, glycation happens all the time. And it's actually the reason why we eventually die. Once we're fully cooked, we die. <laughs> and we can't stop this process. It's a part of life. It's inevitable. But we can slow it down or speed it up. And the more glucose spikes you experience in your body, the faster this process happens, the faster you age, the faster you get wrinkles, the faster your organs deteriorate, and the faster you die. So this is quite grim, but just so you understand, these are the two things that happen in our body every time our glucose spikes. Now, our body knows that this is happening. And so what it does to protect us against these processes is 
it uses insulin. It sends out insulin from your pancreas and insulin's role is to take glucose and stash it away so that it no longer creates the mitochondria overwhelming and the glycation. So insulin takes glucose and puts it in your liver, in your muscles, and in your fat cells. And this is one of the ways that people gain weight. You explained that so well. I have Thank talked you. to multiple doctors about glucose, insulin, but you just did that the best way. So Thank you, Carolyn. You know, actually, I loved, I love explaining science in a fun way. And in Glucose Revolution, the book I just wrote, that's all I do. All the science is really fun. I put so many images into it. And I think um, it's a great joy of mine to find ways to explain it in a simple way. Well, you do a great job of that. And I actually am excited to talk to you about your book. And I'm going to do that in just a minute. But yeah. so that we don't get off track. What happens if we create too much insulin or not enough insulin? Okay, so some people are born or develop a problem by which they could no longer create insulin. And this is called type 1 diabetes. Now, the problem when you don't have insulin is that you actually probably will die because insulin is necessary to get glucose into your cells. So that's one of the problems with too little insulin. Now, too much insulin happens after decades of too many glucose spikes. Your insulin levels start increasing. Your body starts producing more and more insulin to be able to curb those glucose spikes. And at the end of the day, your organism becomes resistant to insulin. It's a bit like if you first start drinking coffee, the very first cup of coffee you ever have will really wake you up and have a big effect. But if you keep drinking coffee every single day, soon you're going to need two cups of coffee and then three cups of coffee to feel the same effect because you're becoming resistant to caffeine. Right. The same thing can happen in our body. And ultimately that leads to insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. So insulin resistance is a really trendy word out there these days. So what you explained is insulin resistance, right? Where we have exactly. too much insulin over the years. And yeah, then your body no longer responds to it. And then that can cause a whole slew of issues, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the main uh, consequence of insulin resistance is developing type 2 diabetes. Um, but it also has a huge role to play in um, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and heart disease. I mean, insulin resistance is one of the core pillars of just dysfunction in the body. It's, um, it's really better to avoid it. And so what I've done, because it can be a bit confusing to know, like, where do you start to avoid this process from happening? And does it mean I have to go on a diet where I never eat starches or sugars again? And what I've done in my work is I've taken all of the science and I've turned it into these very easy hacks, which is what I share on my Instagram and in the book as well, that allow you to avoid the glucose spikes, avoid the insulin release, prevent the onset of these diseases while still eating everything you love, while still eating the pasta and the cake that you love. Um, and it's really amazing and people love it. So I know my listeners are thinking, okay, I know what glucose is now and glucose spikes, and I know the issues with insulin and too much glucose, but what do I do about it? So let's just go from there. What do we do about it? Is it adding more protein into our each meal? So actually where I would start for people, um, I would start, we can, we can get back to protein in a second. I would start with eating your food in the right order. Okay. So the science shows us that 
you can eat the exact same meal, but if you eat the constituents of the meal in a specific order, you decrease the glucose spike by 75% and the insulin spike by 50%. Yeah. So next time you're going to sit down for a meal, look at your food and look on your plate. And I'm going to tell you the order in which you should eat those constituents to avoid the glucose spike. The correct order is vegetables first, proteins and fats second, and starches and sugars last. So if you have a meal of, let's say, some salmon, some broccoli, and some pasta, let's say, start with the broccoli, then the salmon, then the pasta. Of course, you can mix them a little bit, but try to have as much of the vegetables as possible towards the first part of the meal and the starches towards the end. Okay, I know people are thinking, why? Why vegetables first? You would think it would be protein first. So why the, the veggies? I know. Okay, so in vegetables there is fiber. Vegetables are our best source of fiber. And when fiber lands in your stomach and then your intestines first, it does a magical thing. It gets to your upper intestine and it coats the walls of the intestine with this mesh, this protective gooey mesh. And what happens is that any starch or sugar coming through after that won't be absorbed as much across the intestinal lining as it would be if the mesh wasn't there. So if you have the broccoli first and you create that mesh, the pasta that you have afterwards, you will be absorbing into your bloodstream way fewer molecules of glucose from that pasta than if you had not had vegetables first. So it's all about fiber. That's so interesting, but do you have to have a certain amount of veggies for this to happen? Will one little broccoli do it? (laughs) So the studies haven't found the exact ratio. What I try to do is I try to have as many vegetables as I will have of starches later. That's kind of the ratio that I found works best, but it's still better to have one little piece of broccoli than to have no broccoli at all. So uh, for example, if you're cooking, I don't know, a big rice dish or something, maybe grab a raw carrot from your fridge and munch on it before your meal. Or, you know, throw a few leaves of spinach together and serve those as a starter. Or find some leftover roasted broccoli or cauliflower, I love cauliflower, in your fridge and have that before your meal. More is always better, but a little bit is better than none. So whatever works for you. Okay, perfect. So then why the protein next? Okay, so protein has a different effect. Protein, what it does is... It has an effect on how quickly food moves from your stomach to your intestine. And there's this process called gastric emptying. And it's the process by which food goes from your stomach to your intestine and trickles down. Now, if you eat protein and fat before the starches, the protein and fat will slow down gastric emptying a little bit, which means that the glucose coming in from the pasta afterwards, one, will get into your intestine at a slower pace. And two, once it's there, will be less absorbed because of the fiber mesh. So you're creating this perfect situation in which you have eaten the exact same food as usual, and you're just enjoying it just as much as usual. But inside of your body, a completely different thing is happening. Now your body is not experiencing a glucose spike. So what this does to us and how we feel afterwards 
is really tremendous. First of all, you don't feel tired after your meal because you don't have that big glucose crash. Second, you're not aging as quickly as you would if the big glucose spike was happening. So win for that. Third, you're reducing inflammation. And then you're also preventing any hormonal problems or chronic illnesses from happening. And this is one super easy hack that anybody can try uh, that is very effective. Yeah, it's amazing, this little hack, because inflammation is a huge epidemic in America today. You're in England, right? But mm-hmm. um, in America, it's a huge epidemic. And who knew that a little hack of just eating your veggies first and then your proteins and then the carbs, that it works like this and can help people with inflammation, which inflammation is a root cause of depression and um, hormonal imbalance and chronic fatigue and chronic pain. I mean, the list goes on and on of what inflammation is a root cause of. So this is Absolutely. genius. Absolutely. I think the stat is that three out of five people will die of an inflammation-based disease. It's it's really quite remarkable. And we know from the science as well that 90% of us experience glucose spikes every day without knowing it. Most people probably don't realize they have glucose spikes. Absolutely. Because, well, first of all, we've only known recently that 90% of people experience glucose spikes on a daily basis. We used to think that glucose was just a thing for diabetics to worry about. But now we know that's not the case. Every single one of us experiences glucose spikes every day, minus the 10% of the population that doesn't. But I don't know who they are. I haven't met any of those. Um, And we, we contend with the symptoms. You know, we think it's normal to be super hungry two hours after eating. We think it's normal that we want to eat anything sweet that we see at 4 p.m. We think it's normal that we don't sleep well. We think it's normal that our period stops. We're like, oh, whatever, I don't really know. We we don't really know that these are all messages coming from our body telling us, hey, glucose spikes are happening. Fix this and this will get better. Well, and glucose spikes are a huge um, contributor to PCOS, which is growing and growing. So it's important that as women, we figure this out. Absolutely. Yeah. The correlate, the, the connection between glucose and PCOS is uh, quite interesting. So what I found is that every time your glucose spikes, as you mentioned earlier, your insulin levels also increase and it's too much insulin that creates excessive PCOS symptoms. And it does so by two mechanisms. Number one, insulin tells your ovaries to produce testosterone. So the more insulin there is, the more you're producing testosterone. Second, when there's a lot of insulin present, your body can no longer convert testosterone into female hormones as it usually does. So this leads to just a lot of testosterone in the body, which can lead to stopped ovulation and missed periods, but also other symptoms that many women are contending with these days, like hair loss, um, acne, inability to lose weight, etc., And so it seems that, you know, glucose spikes and too much insulin is one of the main reasons for PCOS and reducing your glucose spikes and your insulin levels helps you get rid of those symptoms. And I hear this a lot in my community. It's really a growing epidemic. It is. And I'm glad that we're educating women on it and how to help it. Okay. So now the listeners know that we're going to have veggies first, then the protein, then the fats. I've heard from people that the time in between meals or the time in between meals and snacking can cause glucose spikes as well. Is that true? Are we worried that we should eat every two hours or every four hours or every six hours? Or does the timing not really matter? 
So the science shows us something interesting. So if you take two different days and you overall eat the exact same food, but one day you eat the food in three meals and the other day you eat the food in six meals, eating the food in three meals will improve your glucose levels. It'll improve your overall health markers. And it may even in some cases lead to weight loss, even though you're eating the exact same amount of food overall. But it appears that combining your food into bigger, more filling meals versus snacking all the time is better for us. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, I know my listeners would be wondering if now timing plays a part. So thank you so much. And then, you know, you can also wonder about intermittent fasting, which is something a lot of people have been uh, talking about and practicing. And I don't actually think you need to go that far. I mean, if it agrees with you to do intermittent fasting, go for it. But even just being able to combine your meals into just three meals a day is already a huge plus. And especially in women of reproductive age, it's not clear that, you know, long periods of fasting are actually very good for us um, because they can sort of mess up our hormonal system. So if you're just starting out and you're wondering like how many meals to have, should I do all this fasting stuff? Start with three meals a day, see how you feel and kind of connect with your body. And some days if you want to skip breakfast or dinner or lunch and it feels good and it feels okay, go for it. But we don't have to go that far to see the benefits. Okay, that's good to know. So I have another question for you that I know listeners are probably wondering. Cravings, like you were talking about, four o'clock, they want a Diet Coke or they want something sugary sweet. So what do you suggest to them when they want these little snacks like that? I suggest to eat the thing you're craving and then take a step back and ask yourself, okay, why is this craving happening? Because very often we're told that our cravings are our fault and that if we can't resist them, it's because we lack willpower and we should just like try harder or, you know, just have more willpower. And it turns out that's really a misguided way to think about cravings because cravings are not our fault. Cravings are our brain's reaction to dropping glucose levels. There's a study that was done at Yale in 2015 where they took participants and they put them in an fMRI scanner. So these are the scanners that look like donuts and look at your brain activity. And so they put the participants in these scanners and they showed them on a screen images of foods like a burger, a cookie, a broccoli, a salad. And they asked the participants to rate how much they wanted to eat the food, how much they were craving the food. And then last but not least, they hooked up the participants to a machine that was measuring their glucose levels. Mm. What they found is very informative. They found that when people's glucose levels were steady, they didn't rate any of the foods highly. They were like, whatever, you know, out of 10, broccoli for, cookie for, burger for. However, as soon as the participants' glucose levels were dropping, even very small drops of about 20 milligrams per deciliter, which is very small, all of a sudden, the participants started rating the high-calorie foods really high. They were craving the burger and the cookie. And the researchers also saw that in their brain, the cravings center was being activated literally the dropping glucose levels was activating the part of their brain that was telling them to eat 
the high calorie foods to eat the burger, to eat the cookie. So this showed us that cravings happen because of glucose drops. Oh and my that it's goodness. Not, it's That's... not about willpower. It's just a biological reaction to dropping glucose levels. And so what I found personally and what hundreds of thousands of people have found in my community is that when you address the root cause, so getting your blood glucose levels balanced with the hacks, like eating foods in the right order, adding vinegar, eating a savory breakfast, et cetera, and everything else I share, the cravings just go away because this thing is no longer happening. And so you might still, of course, want to eat the nice chocolate cake that you love, but it's for pleasure. It's because you love it. It's not because you have this uncontrollable urge to eat anything sweet that's in sight. Oh my goodness. Every woman needs to understand this because there's yes. so much culture out there of, oh, you need strong willpower when you're craving and you've got to not eat it. You know, it's that diet mentality. So yes. just knowing that, hey, you're craving maybe because your blood sugar is low is like, oh, let's just solve that issue then and address that root cause. Exactly. And then the other problem that happens is that if you're on a glucose roller coaster, so your glucose is spiking, then dropping, and you're having a craving, and then you eat that thing you're craving, which is usually starchy or sweet. You're going to spike then, it. Exactly. Then bam, you go back up and you just continue on the glucose roller coaster. And so you're just on this infinite loop of cravings and you're controlled by this and you have to eat every couple of hours. But we can, you know, bring this roller coaster to an end by simple hacks. For example, if it's the middle of the afternoon and you're craving, I don't know, a cookie, here's what you can do to eat it without continuing the roller coaster. So number one, before you eat the cookie, have some vinegar in a tall glass of water, one tablespoon of any type of vinegar in a tall glass of water, because vinegar tells your muscles to soak up glucose as it arrives into your bloodstream. So you're going to eat the cookie but then your muscles are going to soak up the glucose. So there's going to be less of a spike and a drop. Second, put some clothes on your carbs. So carbs are anything starchy or sweet. And if we eat them on their own, they create this big glucose spike. If we put clothes on them, which is protein, fat, or fiber, we slow down the absorption of glucose into the bloodstream and we curb the spike. So for example, if you're having a cookie, have a Greek yogurt before, like a plain Greek yogurt, or have some nuts with it, or I don't know, maybe an egg or anything that you have that is not starchy or sweet. And then finally, after you eat the cookie, go for a walk or dance to your favorite song or clean your apartment or whatever. Use your muscles again, because your muscles are going to help you curb that spike. And so the conclusion of this will be, you will have eaten the cookie but thanks to the vinegar, the clothes on the carbs, and the, the using your muscles, you're going to avoid the spike. So you're not going to continue the roller coaster. I love those tips. And I just want to say to women, we just need to get off the roller coaster, the blood sugar roller coaster. That's all it is. And I love those hacks. I saw those hacks on Instagram. And it's why I always have an apple with like a string cheese. And so the yes. other day I told my kids, they were like, why do you always have your apple with a string cheese? And I was like, because I'm putting its clothes on. And they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I love, I, I love that little analogy that you use. Thank you. Okay. So now I know listeners are thinking, okay, I want to start my day out good because the first meal is really going to determine whether you start a roller coaster or not. So what do you suggest people eat for the first meal of the day? Three words. 
a savory breakfast. Okay. So eat anything in the morning that you want, but make sure it's not sweet. Apart from whole fruit, that's fine. So build your breakfast around protein and fat and fiber. Then you can add some starch for taste. For example, like, I mean, anything based around eggs is great. Eggs and spinach, an avocado toast, some Greek yogurt with nut butter, anything that is not orange juice, cereal, pastries, oats, muesli, granola, etc. Because as you mentioned, the glucose curve of your breakfast is going to dictate whether you're going to be starting your day on that glucose roller coaster. And it's really, really important to make sure that your breakfast doesn't create a spike. Otherwise, all day you're going to be starving. You're going to want to eat sweet stuff and you're going to be tired. So let's talk about a weight loss a little bit, because you do touch upon weight gain and weight loss being due to these glucose spikes. So how are they related? So one of the ways that your body has to deal with excess glucose coming in is, as I mentioned, to use insulin to store it in your fat cells. So that's one of the ways that we gain weight. It's when our body tries to protect us against a glucose spike by taking glucose and stashing it into our fat cells. As a result, the fat cells grow in size and then, you know, our waist size also grows. And what I found in my community is that when people just focus on keeping their glucose levels steady, well, many things fall into place. You know, they feel better, they sleep better, their cravings dissipate, their body's healthier, they have more energy. And often one of the side effects is weight loss, but it's not the primary objective. This is not a diet that we're talking about. We're talking about principles or hacks for long-term vibrant health, for waking up in the morning feeling amazing. And often a side effect is weight loss. Okay. That's good to know. And I love that you say it's not a diet. It's just a way of life that we're going to um, just choose the correct order and correct combinations of foods to help us live a better life, a healthier life. Exactly. And, you know, I really hope that this information and these hacks and these principles will become just part of our culture that will just know these. This is intended to be something that follows you for the rest of your life and helps you achieve everything you want to achieve, have enough energy to play with your kids or do the projects you want to do. You know, this is really just fundamental principles to be happy. It's not, it's not a diet. It's helping your body thrive. Right. And I think people are slowly learning this because I think it's more common now that people understand don't eat a carb by itself, add like a protein or a fat to it. And so you're just taking it a little bit further with all these hacks. So I love it. Exactly. Thank you. Okay. So let me ask you about these spikes. Can you not sleeping well and stress, can they affect these sugar spikes as well? Absolutely. So there are many things that affect how well your body responds to an influx of glucose coming your way. And I've noticed this myself, and I've seen the studies to support this. When you are tired, when you're dehydrated, when it's around the time of your period, um, when you haven't worked out in a while, when you're stressed, the same food will create a bigger glucose spike in your body. And it's simply because everything is related. So if your body is under any kind of stress, it will just not be as good as before in dealing with the spike. So the spike will end up being higher. 
there are many factors that influence our glucose levels. And um, I mean, the list is very long. You can also look at genetics. You can also look at microbiome, lots and lots of stuff, environment. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. Okay. So it's a little scary. I think that so many of us have a lot of stress and maybe don't sleep as well as we should, or as long as we should. So what do you say to all of these people that are like, oh, I need to get off this roller coaster of uh, glucose spikes, but I'm also stressed or I don't sleep well because I have a newborn and a toddler or what do you say to them? I say things will get better if you focus on steadying your glucose levels, because yes, if you don't sleep well, you'll have bigger spikes, but also if you have big, spike, big spikes, you won't sleep well that night. It's like everything is connected. So if you can get off the roller coaster by using, for example, my hacks, you'll notice that you'll sleep better. And so you'll be more rested. And so things will get better. We have a lot of power, actually. We don't have to just you know, be there and deal with the consequences. We can actually change a lot of that kind of stuff by studying our glucose levels. And for stress, I mean, I've personally found a lot of relief in things like dancing, shaking, tapping, cold showers, journaling. There's a lot of um, really cool stuff you can do. Breath work, uh, easy things that take just a few minutes a day that have made a big impact on my stress levels. So I highly recommend checking them out. So we need to learn how to handle our stress as well as deal with our glucose spikes. Yes. And again, you know, stress and glucose are related because if you're on a glucose roller coaster, every couple of hours, you're going to start feeling really anxious and shaky and nauseous and sweaty because your glucose levels are crashing and you're going to really need to look for food right, right there. And then, so you're going to be adding to your stress levels. And then the more glucose spikes you have, the worse you're going to feel. So the more stressed you're going to be or about not being able to do all the stuff you need to be doing. I mean, it's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle, but there's a huge opportunity to reduce all of these side effects, improve our sleep, improve our mental health by focusing on our glucose levels. And since 90% of us have glucose spikes, literally most people listening to this episode will hugely benefit from the hacks and you'll feel the effects, you know, within a day or two. Okay, I love that you just mentioned all of that, but you just touched upon something that I want to make sure the listeners understand. So you talked about when you have a glucose drop that you can feel shaky, sweaty, things like that. So let's explain to the listeners, because maybe some of them are like, I don't know if I have a glucose spike or a glucose drop. So what are some of the symptoms that they might feel with a glucose drop and symptoms they may feel with a glucose spike? Okay, so a glucose spike symptom is a bit subtle, but it has to do with, you know, when you see kids having a sugar rush, so you might feel like quite agitated, quite stimulated, like if you just have a, had a bunch of coffee, like a little frazzled, but then the glucose drop is really where most people feel the side effects because that drop, whew, that's a tough one. So the most common side effects are feeling very tired. Like you just ate an hour ago and now you could take a nap. You're so tired. Anywhere that has a pillow, you want to lay down and sleep. Second one is hunger that hurts, like real hunger pangs. That's a big side effect of glucose drops. Then you have cravings. So feeling like, oh God, I need to go outside and go get a cookie, granola bar, something sweet, big indicator. And then depending on the person, it really varies. You can have nausea, sweats the shakes. 
for me, you know, this roller coaster created these mental health episodes. So it really varies person to person. But I think we can all relate to the sleepiness, <laughs> the right. cravings, and the excessive hunger. Those are the big one that big ones that seem to happen in every one of us. And I know that when my blood sugar gets really low, I actually start like sweating, shaking, like it gets yeah. really low when it's to that point. So yeah, it's not good to be on those roller coasters. No, it's tough. It's really tough. Okay. I'm glad you explained all of that because I know some listeners just may have been like, well, I don't know how to be in tune with my body and realize that. So maybe now they can just pay a little bit more attention to how they feel after they eat. Um, yeah. But the majority of my listeners are women. And so this roller coaster of spikes and dips can really affect women's hormones, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Both, you know, when you're in reproductive age and also during menopause, it has a big impact. So if people are wanting to balance their hormones, the first step might be to try to just level out this glucose. Absolutely. Seriously, it has such a big impact. And there's many more studies coming out um, around menopause and perimenopause, which are very interesting that show that the symptoms of menopause become more intense in women who have more deregulated glucose levels, like insomnia, hot flashes, night sweats. These are worse and more intense when you're experiencing glucose spikes and drops every day. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now talking about these spikes and drops, a lot of times people will call them glucose spikes. Sometimes people call them insulin spikes. Some people call them blood sugar spikes. Can people call them all three names or not necessarily? Um, I mean, yes. Blood sugar is like the, um, the colloquial term for glucose. So they're the same thing. Um, and then insulin, it's not the same thing as glucose, but generally an insulin spikes follows a glucose spike. There are some cases where it doesn't, but generally they all refer to the same thing. So I, I won't get upset. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> but just don't say, don't say sugar spike, either say blood sugar or say glucose because table sugar, the sugar that we eat, it's not all glucose. It's glucose and fructose. It's a bit complicated. Okay, it's that's, convoluted scientific stuff. <laughs> that's good to know. I'll make sure when I talk about it on my site, I always say blood sugar spikes. Perfect. Or glucose. Uh, glucose. You know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I know my listeners have learned a ton from you today, and I know so many of them are probably excited to go try this out. Tell my listeners a little bit about your book, Glucose Revolution. So I wrote Glucose Revolution over the past year and a half to create the ultimate guide to waking up in the morning feeling amazing. That's the point. 90% of us have glucose spikes going on in our body every day, and we feel the symptoms all the time. And in this book, you'll find 10 hacks that I've extracted from the latest science that allow you to avoid these glucose spikes, reverse your symptoms, feel amazing without giving up any of the food you love. And the book is called Glucose Revolution, The Life-Changing Power of Balancing Your Blood Sugar. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I'm excited to read yes. it. Touch upon this one last little thought that I have, because you mentioned this at the very beginning that you worked for 23andMe and you saw that people's DNA doesn't play as big of a role in their how they feel each day. But yet so many people use their genetics as an excuse as to why they don't feel good each day. So what are your thoughts on that? I just think that's simply incorrect. I mean, your genetics are one thing, but 
your lifestyle, how you live, how you eat, how you move, how you deal with your emotions, that has a huge impact on how these genes get expressed. And I think people might say, oh, well, type 2 diabetes is genetic. It's in my family, so I'm going to get it anyway. What they don't realize is that the reason that they might get type 2 diabetes, like their parents, is not the genetics, but actually the lifestyle they inherited and the habits that they inherited, you know? So it can get quite messy trying to distinguish both. But we know from the science that, for example, identical twins who have the exact same DNA, the exact same DNA, one can be extremely sick and have type 2 diabetes, the other cannot. It all depends on how they live. It all depends on their lifestyle. Your glucose spikes are not genetic. Your glucose spikes are the consequence of how, what, in what order, what combination you're eating your food. You have huge power over how you feel, how healthy your body is, and you know your mental health at any point in time. So I can tell you for a fact that your genetics do not determine how you feel when you wake up in the morning. You have much more power over that. Okay, thank you for touching upon that. I was just curious from a scientist who had worked at 23andMe what your take was on that. Of course. Thank you again for being here. I know my listeners have learned so much from you. Tell my listeners where they can find you and your book. Thanks, Carlin. So my Instagram is Glucose Goddess, and the book is Glucose Revolution. You can get it anywhere, Amazon, Waterstones, wherever you get your books. And yeah, let me know how it goes. If you're listening to this, once you apply the hacks, I'm always really interested in hearing your journeys and all the improvements that you're going to see. So don't hesitate to reach out. Okay. So I always end my episodes with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say the best ingredient is? You know what I would say? What's coming to my mind right now? Therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I've done over like 50 podcasts and no one has used therapy yet. So expound upon that. Changed my life. I mean, to me, you know, the process of self-discovery, understanding what makes you feel sad, unwell, jealous, stressed. Through therapy, I've been able to explore so many aspects of myself and I feel like it's it's just completely changed my life and who I am. Um, I'm a much happier person. I'm much more self-aware. I've been able to work through so many fears and traumas and problems. I really believe it's, it should be required (laughs) for everybody. (laughs) Well, and I love that you said that because there shouldn't be shame in wanting therapy, needing therapy, and it can be so helpful. And especially can be helpful when the therapist helps you understand your root causes of why you're feeling the way you are. No, I don't think there's any shame in it. I think it's amazing. I mean, it's like, it's superpower. I love it. I love therapy. I think it's incredible. I really do. And it also comes (laughs) down to finding a good therapist. Oh, I was so lucky. I found a good therapist. It was in the first try. It was a referral. And immediately I connected with her. Um, But my friends, sometimes they have to see like two, three, four people until they find the good person. But it's so worth it. Right. And it's like finding a good doctor. If they don't work totally. for you, that's okay. Just say thank you exactly. for your time and move on. And so. you know, therapists are used to that as well because we each have different 
ways of connecting and different backgrounds and different ways we like to communicate. So exactly. It's like finding a doctor that you like. Right. Well, thank you, Jesse, so much for being here. If you guys don't follow her, go follow her on Instagram. Her account is so fun. Just, I love when you post those graphs of how the different orders you've eaten the foods and what's happened to your spikes and things like that. And so it's been really fun to follow you. So I recommend everyone go follow her. And thank you again, Jesse, for being here. Thanks, Carlin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.